Matthew chapter nine. So exciting. Okay, so. <sighs> oh, Jesus came to a man with palsy. He can't walk. It says, thy sins are forgiven. Um, people don't believe it or think he's blasphemous for this. And this is the first time that he says, the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Mm-hmm. It's the first time he even announces his authority. Mm. Yeah. Jesus unfolds himself to the people processionally. Mm. Yeah. So he teaches things that astound them. Mm-hmm. And then do you try to follow similar patterns with how you teach? Yeah. You got to give the milk before the meat. Okay. And so, you, yeah, I think that uh, you can't just jump in and throw the heaviest concepts, yeah. but because we have kind of a selective little group here that follows the teachings, they are in kind of bathed and already getting the deep mm. stuff. So, okay. yeah. Well, that one was particularly that stuck out to me because he then heals the man of walking and is like, here, is this sort of what you needed to Mm. see that I have the power to forgive sins? And that's just kind of relatable, I guess to all of us. But anyway, um, and then it says, is that the one where he heals him in the, in the house, in the house? Yeah. And, and is that where he responds? Or maybe you're going to cover this when they say you've healed uh, him on the Sabbath or you don't know that's not no. this one is this the one where they say well you know what do you mean you have the power to forgive sins and so then he says well what's easier to say rise up and walk yes that's what I, that's what i'm saying what's yeah. easier to say uh yeah rise up and walk or i forgive your sins yeah. and so ask yourself which is easier to say i forgive your sins they're equally easy to say oh. Think about it. I can say, forgive your sins. I can say, rise up and walk. Which one's easier to say? I know it seems like he's saying uh, one thing, but he's saying, I could say either. But if I say, rise up and, and, and walk, and the guy does, then can you believe I can also say? Right. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I guess that's what I mean. Like, he he can forgive sins, and for some reason, we can't accept that. Right. And so he has to physically show, show. the guy can right. walk now. Now do you believe right. I can forgive sin? Right. And it's just classic. And that's why the <laughs> that's why the import of his doing miracles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he used it to say, if I'm doing this, then can you trust that I could also say I can mm-hmm. forgive? Yeah. Which is also to say it's it kind of makes it ridiculous that anyone would do healings now. Because it's like <laughs> He did the healings and just so we would believe on him. Right. All we have to do is believe on it. Right. And just take yourself back in that day. Did they have any medical recourse on healings? <laughs> None. So those miracles were truly yeah. miracles and beneficial. But we can go to doctors now and get healed of all sorts of yeah. things. And it's not that he's not working through that. Right. Like for us to be doing this in church healing stuff. Yeah seems really actually like blasphemous. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then what does he say? uh, Well, I'm jumping ahead, but just to point out, Mm. he later says, and these are the signs that will follow them that believe they'll do cast out devils. They'll do this. They'll do this. They'll do this. And so that's why churches today do that is because, uh, but they don't take the context of 
in that day, his apostles would cast out devils, would heal, would raise the dead. So did he. But for our day, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, that that makes sense. Yeah. It makes a little more sense why people do it then yeah. to hear that. But still. Okay, so then Jesus sees a man named Matthew. The Levi, the tax collector. This is Matthew that wrote the book. He's just now being introduced. That's I know. And that's where you get into difficulty with chronology on the calling of the apostles. Okay. It's a sticky wicket, Delaney. It it's a slippery it. slope. <laughs> and so now it seems like Matthew, he hasn't been witnessing any of these miracles. Yeah. So how could he be a witness of them? It makes it difficult. Yeah. What's the answer? I don't have an answer. What's the speculation? Uh, that somewhere in the mix, all of these narratives, it's just like an editor of a film mm. decides to put the calling of Matthew at the beginning instead yeah. of in the middle. That's all I can say. It's wild, though, that he's attesting to something like the Sermon on the Mount and yeah. he wasn't there. Right. So I think that that's a problem. And that's why I don't say the scripture is uh, epistemus verba, meaning word perfect. Mm -hmm. It's not word perfect. Yeah. It's got issues. Yeah. But we get the general zeitgeist. I could see him saying something like, he did this healing, he did that healing. Yeah. But the, like the Beatitudes, right. which we are so... We pick apart... I mean, you do that, though. You pick apart those words really specifically. Sure. And Matthew wasn't even Even there, there according to this narrative. But those are repeated in other ones. Yeah. Okay. And there's also... There's something that's going to confuse. It's called the Sermon on the Plain, okay. where he sort of repeats everything that was in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. And so there's all sorts of factors. Just understand, don't become someone who says... Uh, well, I, I challenge you not to become someone who says... This doesn't make any sense. Matthew wasn't there. He wasn't a witness to that. I throw the Bible out, you know. Yeah, I. but I get... Yeah. I just have a hard time sometimes when you will use... And I think people generally do have a hard time when you use scripture to defend things that you're trying to ref, like refute in relying on scripture. Right. It's a really weird... It's really tough and people don't understand it at all. Yeah. But I am referring to scripture in terms of principles only. I'm not saying this is uh, dogmatically must be received by you according to my view. Mm -hmm. and, and I get that right mm -hmm. because Paul does the same thing. Mm -hmm. He teaches and he borrows from the Old Testament mm -hmm. and he uses passages that have nothing to do with the context mm -hmm. to justify what he's saying. And to me, it's just like, that's the living word and you can use it according to how it goes, but it's not readily understood. So if I say we don't go by the word as our law now, that drives people nuts when I cite the word, but I'm citing it as a principle that I have learned from the scripture, but it doesn't mean I'm saying you have to accept my interpretation or that passage yourself. It's weird. Yeah. I want to think about that more because it's like you use the scripture to refute the priority of the scripture. Like you're using the scripture itself to debunk that it is perfect. <laughs> Yes. And so it's just confusing sometimes. Well, that's because, and that's the same way anything that is 
you know, in the hands of the spirit is not going to be according to our wisdom. Right. Yeah. And so I don't try to make it make sense. And that's yeah. why James White called me a walking contradiction. Yeah. Because, but Jesus is a walking contradiction. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. It's, it makes sense. I really want to figure out like a one-liner. That you love to, you really this. want to get it. You want to grab it. I know. A, it's really hard. It's gettable though. You've gotten there. There's so many other things. So many other things. This one's tough. Yeah. <sighs> and so it makes being misunderstood really big. Okay. So, okay. Now Jesus has sinners join him at a meal. He's having a meal and sinners join supposedly jesus opens a lesson here for sinners being important physicians are here for the sick not the healthy mm -hmm. um the backstory of that is the jews would never sit with a sinner they considered them unclean mm -hmm. unwashed and evil mm -hmm. okay i might need to oh my phone died so 10 more minutes. Okay. Um, I might need to cut this really fast. Hold on. Okay. All right. So we're back. We're back. I'm just trying to give context of the situation. Jesus explains it's him saying this about sinners. It's important to that's what he, that's who he's there for. Yeah. Um, it's followed up with the question. Why do we Pharisees fast often, but the disciples do not. And Jesus explains, it's not the time to do that with the bridegroom yeah. analogy. And then the time will come when he's gone, that it's their time. And then he says, the stuff about like old garment, new garment, old wineskin, new wineskin. How does it have to do with, with what was just asked of him? I kind of get the idea of like what an old wineskin, like the, the actual logistics of the examples, but like, why does he use that as the answer to what was just being asked of him. Which was, why do your disciples fast? And why is this? And why is that, right? Yeah, with this, like, the bridegroom, like, this isn't their time. Their time will come, right. basically. So what he's saying there is, they ask him a question about the practices of the Jews. Why? How come we fast all the time and your disciples don't fast? Mm -hmm. And... And so, you sit with sinners, but we don't sit with sinners. Right. Okay. Yeah, why are all these things... Okay. And so his point is that if you take an old wineskin and you patch it with a piece of new wineskin, it's going to rent because the new is stronger than the old. And at the seams, it will tear apart and it won't hold any value. So you have to take completely new approaches to these things oh, I see. in order for it to hold the truth because you can't mix old and new. Oh. And so he comes and we're not fasting and we're not doing any of this because you can't mix the old hmm. or else it won't hold water. So when you learn that principle, when you come upon a Christian who says, yeah, you got to obey the, the 10 commandments. Hmm. That's a perfect example of your nuts. Yeah. yeah, I see. And why they wouldn't. Right. 
fast because that's not even part right. of the game anymore. Right, right. But, and, and he yeah. says they'll fast when I leave yeah. because that was part of their culture and they they needed something like that then because, man, it was going to get tough on them as the bride. Okay. But they'll do it. But okay. I'm here with them. Okay. Yeah. Right. And there's a there's a there's an, a subject to him being there with them to the old skin new skin thing too. But I mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I mean I made a note here too that we kind of touched on, but just that it it's so factual right now in this state. It goes from the Sermon on the Mount where it's long and eloquent and really rich to like. Bam, bam, bam. He did this miracle. He did that mm-hmm. miracle. Mm-hmm. Just... It's like Matthew moving the story forward. Okay. All right. Okay. So then it stuck out to me that as this story is told, there has not been a moment where Jesus is unpopular mm-hmm. or at least spoken of as unpopular yet. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, so yet again, the end of this chapter, it says multitudes gather um, because he's doing miracles, teachings, healings. And then this time it says that he's filled with compassion for them because they were distressed and scattered as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he describes the harvest is indeed plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest and labors. So I'm understanding that harvest actually implies distressed and scattered. Like the multitude is distressed and scattered mm-hmm. jesus has compassion for them and he says the harvest is plenteous but laborers are few so what he's saying there is i'm looking at a sea of lost people here yeah yeah why are they lost though because they- they've been beguiled by the traditions of their religious leaders they have not known the truth. They have tr- drifted away. That's why John prepared the way for Jesus to come by telling them, repent, change your mind about what you've been believing. Okay. okay? Get ready for him. Okay. I was reading distressed and scattered as an effect that he's had on them. Like they are now distressed and no. scattered because he's. Well, that, there could perhaps there could be some uh, application of that. But I think he's saying, I have a whole bunch of lost sheep. Okay. And the harvest of them to bring them into the kingdom by faith is great. It's such a big audience, but there's no laborers. Okay. So pray that we have more people come into this so that we can start gleaning them. Sorry. That's wow. me. <laughs> okay well that sort of answers the question because and that's what he's doing is just training these apostles to be shepherds um so there's no more distress and scattering correct yeah so so they can gather all those lost sheep okay a side question apostles versus disciples they're used interchangeably in scripture but uh, whenever apostles is used, it's speaking specifically to the 12. Okay. When disciples are used, sometimes it's speaking to the 12 and sometimes it's speaking to a mass of people who followed him. Maybe that's why the sermon starts with disciples Could and be. ends with multitude. Could be. And I haven't seen apostles used yet. Is there a moment where they become apostles? 
they are called uh, apostles when he sends them forth to go share the word, and that's okay. going to happen later. So they're just being trained disciples, disciples like right others. now. Yeah. Okay. And from the group that he's discipling, mm -hmm. he will also call his apostles. Mm -hmm. So that's another factor to consider how these men were chosen. Okay. Okay. That's good for nine. I mean, there's infinite questions. But we're done. We're moving. We're keeping it moving. 20 minutes. Okay. Love ya. Love ya.